Sav, good morning. Penny. Good Six morning, mate. How dude. are you? 6am, dude. This is yeah, what we but... do here at the Sav Stories podcast. Very, very early, mate. It's uh, <laughs> To be honest, mate, it's a beautiful time of morning. I'm actually up very, very early most days and, um, you know, spent many, many years out of the Qantas on the early start. So I, I thrive on this time of day. We've got the great Richie Vass with us today. Mate, <laughs> he's usually up catching big waves. Uh, he's out at some gym training to dismantle some guy's arm or squeeze the neck. So no complaints. Um, really looking forward to having Richie on today. It's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely. He's, you know, I've already had a chat with him. He's up, he's smiling. I, we're, we are all morning people. I mean, I don't like to be doing a lot of talking at this time of the morning, but we'll see how it goes. So I want to get onto white belt. Another great week of white belt classes. We did some great closed guard stuff, and you're always trying to sell it to us as you know, like you know, this is the boring stuff. But none of us seem to be bored, Sav. None of you know, like. Oh, look, you know, I say that um, very humbly. <laughs> mm. Oh, and Liz just passed me a scorchingly hot coffee. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, now, mate, look, we, um, the fundamental program, it's just been extremely successful. Uh, you know, we do move forward in a couple of weeks, you know, like, you know, if you were to walk in there after we'd been doing something for a couple of weeks, you just think, you know, this guy's a lunatic. This is not fundamentals. <laughs> but, you know, it is a progression. It is something that we work on each week. And it's, you know, I kind of use the analogy where it's like a trunk of a tree that we work up. And, you know, we explore these different branches off the tree. And, um, yeah, look, we uh, we have, have actually taken a backward step. Um, we were doing some some pretty intense stuff last week, but we've gone back to some closed guards, uh, closed guard situations, and I guess the thing is trying to deliver some of those details that do get overlooked. You know, people look at it as a closed guard, as a closed guard, but you know, just making sure that we're understanding how to break a posture and what grips to look for and all that type of stuff. So it's been very very exciting. Um, you know, we're looking at reversing that position, getting on the top. You know, we've got a uh, gift wrap situation where we're looking at Ezekiel's or going into bow and arrows or, you know, just it is fundamental jiu-jitsu. But um, I guess the, the delivery to get there is what's pretty exciting. It, it's incredibly exciting. And, we, you know, I love it. It's, you know, we're, we're doing that closed guard and gift wrap, a little bit of bow and arrow. I don't think anybody yep. would actually call any of this stuff fundamental. Maybe the closed guard. I mean, I'm yeah. just... I'm, you know, I'm a low belt here, but Richie, what do you reckon? How does it, how does this white belt fundamental? Do you remember any white belt fundamentals back when you started? Well, when we started, there was no white belt fundamentals. It was just jujitsu class, and uh, <laughs> it was just one in all in. And it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was great. But it was like now the sport's grown so so massively, and uh, every academy you've got classes to cater for everyone at every level of of jujitsu, but. Um, yeah, unfortunately, when I when I got into it, it was just one class, one class a night, <laughs> and you were thrown in with all the animals. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, yeah, a few details sort of stuck, and, and you survived, <laughs> mate. Basically, that was it. <laughs> hey, true story. I do remember some of the guys turning up in wetsuits. So. <laughs> I do remember walking into my first class. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so, Sav, we've yep. got an unbelievable guest this morning. This, this is—I know you and I have been really excited about. We've been. Ta- this is another guest we've talking. We've been talking about having since the inception of the podcast. Introduce him for everybody, please. 
Yeah, um, really excited to have a very good friend of mine, lifelong friend uh, to an extent. But yeah, really happy to have Richie here with us today. Uh, Richie Vass, um, big wave surfer, mixed martial arts, doesn't mind a bit of Maccas. He's an absolute <laughs> champion of a bloke. Um, yeah, just uh, really happy to have this guy on. I mean, we could have a podcast for days. I mean, the right. stories that... You know, Richie's going to share with us. It's going to be pretty exciting, as I could imagine. Uh, as as you know, nothing's pre-planned. This is all very raw. Um, yeah. But, yeah, probably some stories that can be told and some that can't. But <laughs> we'll try and keep this as clean as possible. But welcome, Richie. Really nice to have you on here today, mate. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to the show ahead. Thanks yeah. for having us on, boys. Uh, yeah, stoked to be here. You, you know what's actually amazing, Sav? And I don't want to embarrass Richie, but I probably will a little. You know, I've read his I've, – I've, I started reading his book. I, um, you know, I saw him on a particular documentary, the name I won't mention at the moment, and uh, talking, and uh, I heard about his surfing career from you, and for his MMA career from you, and then I said to you, I'm going to go ahead on Monday nights and go up and do a no-D with him and see what this this guy's about in person, <laughs> and you're expecting this, you know, this huge, huge character, and then you come in and he's the nicest guy, you know, like... <laughs> Everybody's so nice, you know. Like the, you know, Ian. He, you see him rip people's heads off in, you know, like in, in these fights that he's in, and then you go up and talk to him. He's like, "Hey, Benny, Ethereum this week, huh? Good, right?" And it's like, you know, <laughs> so thank you, Richie, for keeping me in um, your no gi the other night. It was awesome experience. I um, love that little group of guys. It was an energetic class. <laughs> so, Sav, how did you and Richie meet? Do you remember when you guys first started to hang out? No, not necessarily. Um, yeah. We both grew up in Maroubra. I'm a little bit older than Richie. Um, so, you know, I was um, I was down the beach from sort of, I guess, around nine or ten years old. I was out at East Lakes, lived up in the housing commission over there. And um, I spent a lot of time at Botany Pool <laughs> prior to being ten. <laughs> and uh, what happened was uh, I had a mate of mine, uh, Damien Bellamy, he's bluey, he's passed away now, but he's an old mate of mine. And he, he lived in the housing commission with me and he was a, a keen surfer. And, um, you know, he used to tell me, mate, why don't you come down and check out the waves, you know? And I thought, oh, mate, I'll, I'll drown down there. You know, I wasn't a very confident swimmer and all that sort of stuff. But I ended up going down and I got a real interest in it. And, um, you know, he was a he was the surfer. He was quite a good surfer, this guy. And um, I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I wasn't overly confident to jump up on the surfboard. So, you know, I got myself a little bodyboard and I used to play around in the um, play around in the waves there. And, you know, that's sort of just, you know, one thing led to another. Before I knew it, I was on the bus, you know, walking up to Kingsford most days and then jumping on the bus, the 395 or 396, straight down to Maroubra. And, um, you know, I pretty much was doing this day in and day out. You know, Bluey dropped away and I just decided to hang out down there and, made a good group of friends and I ended up sticking on the bodyboard. Um, I can jump up on a surfboard, not very good. Uh, the longer the board, the better I look. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, I ended up sort of hanging around down there and, you know, this is going back sort of 30 odd years ago. And, you know, obviously Richie was down there as well. And, you know, he, he's on the surfboards, very, very good surfer down there. And I guess just being in the area and around the beach, you know, we all just kind of, you know, it was more than surfing. We'd, you know, be hanging out and going out and, you know, just, just yeah, just got to build the relationship down the beach there. Uh, Richie was one of those guys, younger kid coming up, but always, um, 
you know, never feared anything, always on the big waves and stuff like that. And it's just, a, you know, sometimes that sort of surfer bodyboard thing could be a little bit clashy. Um, but because I was down there from such a young age, you know, I, I really, you know, blended well with the surfers. Did did get a little bit of hell, you know, now and then, buried <laughs> in the sand, flippers thrown up in the drains and stuff like that. But that's all right. That's standard with Maroomba. But, yeah, I just put a relationship with Richie from then. And, uh, mate, he was the type of guy who was just – just always approachable, you know, always had time for you. And, yeah, mate, we've just, um, yeah, the journey's long and the stories are far. And, you know, myself and Richie have lived together for a couple of months. And, you know, we've just, yeah, there, there's just so much to talk about. But, yeah, the relationship built down there, you know, 30-odd years ago. Do you, do you remember all of this, Richie? Yeah, I do, mate. I do. Like, similar story to Sav. <laughs> I was just um, always, always wanted to be in and around the water, you know, uh, just, my first thing I was passionate about, and still is today, like, you know, my, my probably, yeah, the driving thing that gets me in the video is, is the ocean and getting in the water and um, I always want to be at the beach and surfing. My uncle's a surfer. He taught me how to surf. Uh, and then there was nippers. So I was just down at every spare moment and then, um, yeah, started to get no sav. He was like a bit of an older crew down there. And um, and then with the introduction of jiu-jitsu, that's when we really, we really bonded, you know. Uh, we both fell in love with that, and as did a, a big part of the Maroubra community. Um, yeah, we just took to it like, you know, ducks to water, and um, it, it, it was it was a great great time of just learning this new martial art and, and having some great instructors, and you know, Bruno Pano and Alex Pratt's living in the area. They're also surfing, and um, you know, introduced this this uh, amazing amazing uh, yeah craft of jujitsu, and uh, yeah, we loved it. We were training at the surf club down the beach. So it was just, it was perfect, and. That's where me and Sav really started bonding, click, you know what I mean? And um, I obviously knew him for a long time before that, you know, but yeah. this is where we actually spent the time and get, really get to know each other. And, and like Sav said, he, he took me in. He's uh, We've lived together for a little while at his house and, and um, mate, just gone from there, yeah. So it was uh, a lot of fun's been had through those years. So I have to ask you a question. It's it's a personal, like, you know, it's always personally enjoyable for me to hear this because Sav brought this up in a podcast, one of the early ones. What were you? Do you remember what you wore to your first jujitsu lesson? Because as Sav tells it, there were guys there in half wetsuits and you know, like thongs, and you know, like do you remember? Did you when? Do you remember putting on a gi the first time? Yeah, well, it wasn't a complete gi. You're, you're, you're pretty spot on there. We had this, uh, you hear heaps of stories about this. If you come down and talk to the the boys from Maroubra who started jujitsu around this time. It was his cricket bag, you know, like what your people carry their cricket stumps and cricket batting and stuff. Um, it was a big old stinky cricket bag with probably a dozen, eight, something like mixed match geese, you know. And um, we were, at the start, we, there was no gym. Our, our mate Bunch had a garage with a few weights in it and we'd go there and train. So we uh, we thought yeah. we'd start there. It was, like, it was like one or two mats and, the, and this cricket bag full of like bits and pieces of geese and um, – yeah, so that was my first introduction, introduction to the gi, and uh, it might just be a pair of pants one day, and then you have to use it, wear like a, a footy jersey, like a wombat's footy jersey or something, or you know, <laughs> a, a, a rash guard or something like that, and uh, we'd all roll around in the garage trying to like you know, Alex. Yeah. Alex was showing us a few, was showing us a few points at the time because he was living in the area, and that's where like we really started trying to you know, understand this concept of jujitsu, and then we'd all run around get get sweaty and all gassed and have no idea what we're doing. They'll just take whatever bit of the gear you have off, throw it back in the cricket bag, zip it up, and then, um, <laughs> yeah, you'd pull it back out the next day. It stunk. 
And uh, oh, the smells. Of the smells. I'm still treating ringworm from uh, from that cricket bag now. So <laughs> it's, uh, that, that's that's how it all started. Oh, so good. Um, so, like, I um, actually want to ask both of you. This is something that we spoke about. We touched on just a little bit at the end of last week with Sarah and Owen and um, the sh- uh, sh- the schmoo. What is that? There seems to be this really strong connection, particularly in Australia, between jujitsu and surfing. You know, it, the first jujitsu actually started in a surf club. You know, like down at, down at Maroubra Beach. You know, you guys were there for that for that genesis of for the start of BJJ in Australia. What's this strong connection about? Do you guys think? Because Richie, can, you know, tell you know, you're obviously world class surfer. Am I right in saying that? Uh, I'll give it a nod. Yeah, a little bit. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. I think it's, it's a global thing too, you know. We got like Hawaii, all my mates who are amazing servers in Hawaii, they also love their jiu-jitsu and you go to the North Shore and you, and you can go and train at the Boar's Nest or, or you know, long-arm jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they all love it and, they, and they're all you know, part of that surf culture as well and obviously Brazil have a very strong surf and jiu-jitsu culture and it's just it's an amazing crossover. I think they complement each other really well. Um, yeah, you know, staying fit for serving, staying fit for for jiu-jitsu. They just they just work hand in hand, and um, yeah, it's an amazing lifestyle. You know, all of my guy, all my my instructors who I've looked up to, um, they also all love the beach and surfing as well, and and um, yeah, and BJJ. So I don't, don't know exactly why that is. It just seems to be a common thread, you know, around the world that the BJJ and um, yeah, that surf lifestyle culture, they just they just uh, they just go so well together. So. Um, yeah, it's great. You know, so I can, you can because, travel around and tick, tick both of your boxes. You know, you can train and surf at, at so many places. Um, yeah, which is amazing. Because I know that you know, like Hoyler Gracie, Master Hoyler Gracie, who both of you know quite well, is a keen surfer himself. Yeah, exactly. So whenever he, he was and, here doing seminars, we'd always, you know, spend probably more time in the water than in the gym. You know, he, and then him and Bruno <laughs> would jump on a plane straight away to go to Bali and and do a little surf trip there. So. Yeah, it, it, it also is it like it was that, that common connection too. It made, it made you feel really close to those kind of guys, you know. And I'm super lucky to have them as, uh, you know, like part of the, you know, the team that you are of. You know, you're, you're part of the same academy. So we felt very fortunate here, like starting jiu-jitsu in Australia. You know, when it was, it was pretty much in its infancy and then, and then to realise that you um, you're, you're part of the academy of these legends um, had created, you know. So, yeah, we're very fortunate. So how did um Hoyla go in the surf at Maroubra? <laughs> I know you're leaving. <laughs> yeah, good. He, he got his fair share of waves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, a few weeks to settle down as well. A few um, a few of the young fellas at the beach. Any drop-ins? Not knowing who he was, sorry. <laughs> Any drop-ins? Yeah, there was actually. Uh, <laughs> down north from a young fella called Bluey. Uh, didn't, didn't know who Hoyla was from a bar of soap and uh, burned him on a wave and, yeah. Uh, Hoyler took offence uh, and told him to get to the beach and Louie told him to fuck off and next thing I know, they were at each other and I had to get in between them and settle it all down. Louie had no idea how, how close he was to death and I was just trying to calm Hoyler down. Um, like, you know, I was just trying to apologise to Louie like he's a young fella, like he doesn't know, like, you know what I mean? He doesn't know what he's talking about, Hoyler. And, uh, but he was still telling Hoyler to get fucked and I was like, Blue, you want to shut up, mate? I'm telling you, you want to... Pipe down and eventually Jerry that something was up, you know what I mean? Like I'm talking on behalf of this guy for a reason and, and uh, Hoyle had steam coming out of his ears but 
eventually, um, <laughs> you know, we, uh, we settled it down and, and Bluey kind of realised he could have been a bit of strife here and piped down a little bit and, and then, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty touch and go situation. Uh, Richie, just got a question for you, mate. Um, you know, growing up around the beach and, I, you know, just with the surfing and the training and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, you must, you've been around so many legends and, you know, had so many people who inspired you, you know, throughout your career in both in and out of the water. Um, any names come to the forefront of the mind in, in regards to who were your biggest influences, um, you know, in and out of the water? Mate, yeah. Look, I, um, I, I draw inspiration from... Like all, all sorts of people, all walks of life, all uh, from all areas, you know. Um, but like, like we were surfing and, and, and mixed martial arts. I was as a grommet. I always looked up to Tommy Carroll. Um, growing up, you know, he, he charged. He surfed amazing waves. Uh, I think too. There's always been this little like small man sort of syndrome too. I always, I always like looked up the guys who were small in stature, <laughs> you know. Just little fellas going out there and can I can it. I just jump in there quickly, Sorry. Rich? I just, I just, if you don't mind, mate, I just want to jump in. When you when you talk about Tommy Carroll, like I absolutely idolise yeah. him. And when unfortunately when we lost Shmu, you know, we're at the wedding down there at Cronulla, and I got to meet Tommy Carroll. I, like it just blew me away. I, it was just a gift from Shmu, surely. And um, I actually think Tommy Carroll might be a touch smaller yeah. than me. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> But when I ran into him, I just couldn't believe, like, you know, I don't know what I, if, you know, was expecting, but he's such a tiny yeah. guy. Nugget, still fit as a And fiddle. to see him charge those big waves of pipe, like, it just, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Just, yeah. yeah. An absolute legend. And, uh, yeah, great guy. Still, still, like, just throffing out about the ocean and surfing and boiling and doing his yoga and his meditation. Like, yeah, just, just such a great energy and, uh, so yeah, just always, always looked at the Tommy in the water, and um, you know, and when it came to mixed martial arts and, and fighting, BJ Penn was was my hero, you know, growing up, and just the way he uh, he approached fighting, you know, it, it, as well his personality, you know, inside the octagon and outside the way he carried himself. Um, so yeah, I, and then like I said, down the beach, I had I had so many heroes um, who who were just the older guys from the you know Maroubra. I, I was so fortunate to. Yeah, these, these legends I look up to, they, they were you know, in the lineup with me every day. And like Kobe Aberdeen and you know, all the guys like, like Moff and Lukey Dennett and you know, Wayne Cleveland, all the guys who were just, who just ripped. You know, Howie, they all, they all charged in the big waves. They all, um, yeah, I, I, was, I was very fortunate to have so many of these guys you know, to look up to who are just you know, the local guys from my beach. But then, yeah, growing up and now, like, like yourself, Sav, you know, I look up to you and what you, you've created for your life and... And the academy, and just just mates, Jimmy Olsen, you know, who's just a, another Carpelay, he's a black belt as well. People just, yeah, I just draw inspiration from people who just um, enjoy life. You know, success comes in many many forms, but for me, if you're happy and you're healthy, man, that's that's the biggest sort of sign of, of success you can have. And yeah, just close mates of mine, younger crew that I look just just doing things and doing things differently, like I admire. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I was very fortunate to grow up in an area where um, you could draw you know, inspiration and, and look up to in many forms, you know? So, yeah. and Yeah, fantastic, mate. It's like, <clears throat> you know, this is the thing with Richie. He's very, very humble, mate. He's a superstar within himself. He'll never <laughs> admit to that. But um, just just an all-around absolute legend and just, you know, this is the type of guy he is. He's just, you know, just so grateful for the people around him and, and his journey. But his journey on its own is just... 
it's something to be seen, honestly, mate. It's uh, fantastic. And look, great answer, Rich. Um, look, getting, um, you know, I know that you've, you know, you're now running the Nogi classes at Gracie Botany on a Monday night. And, you know, I mean, the classes are just absolutely outstanding. I mean, you draw a huge following. Your <laughs> knowledge and information on the mats is just second to none. You know, people want more of you. But tell you what, mate, he's making some big dollars in the carpet lane, guys, trying to get him in there, <laughs> mate. It's, he's got a big price, this guy. You become part of the uh, Maroubra carpet lane mafia, mate. You can't get out, so... That's my nah, brother, there's no like, escape. I've been to Warren yeah, Fox a- and Jimmy Olsen, all these guys. If I'm if I'm to change trade, <laughs> yeah, I, I could lose a- an arm or a leg. Yeah, I'd- he's bounded, mate. It's a lifetime yeah, yeah. cult. It's a lifetime cult, mate. I think they do a sacrifice every Friday night. I don't know what it is, but geez, I, I don't think it's good. But <laughs> mate, the thing I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you do run our no gear classes uh, on the Monday night. You know, what what's the inspiration that you know what what you, keeps you teaching? I know when I see you in there, your enthusiasm. It's just second to none you know i i, I got to you know have a chance to roll with you uh in the gi which i was very happy about i didn't really want to go anywhere near you with no gi because i knew i couldn't hold you but uh, i got a chance to roll with you a couple of weeks ago in the gi and um you know we started off good and um i you know i got on top and i thought okay i'm you know i'm going good here like you know i might, I might be hanging with rich and um once you reverse me and threw that armbar up i tell you what you nearly knocked my eye socket out of the top of my head <laughs> I said, here yeah. he is. So, Sorry about that, Craig. Um, what inspires you to, uh, you know, just to, you know, just, just keep keep driving? Mate, um, yeah, look, I'm just a kid. I've always been someone who likes to stay busy um, and just try to get as, as much time in your day doing things you love, you know. And I'm really blessed to have been introduced to martial arts, you know, jiu-jitsu in particular, you know, um, all those years ago. And it was just, it was just such a, a blessing at the time, you know. I was at my, in my late teens, um, going in my early 20s, like a lot of young fellas at that age, you sort of, you're maybe picking up some bad influences and you're trying to work out what it is to sort of navigate that time of your life where you're trying to prove that you're becoming a man and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, the introduction of martial arts, jiu-jitsu in particular, was something that I look back on now, and I, and I, and I was so so lucky to come across and and, um, and, and be captivated by it, and that, that led into a career of, of mixed martial arts, and um, something that yeah I'll be forever grateful for, you know. Um, and I've I've sort of like it's been a, played different roles in my life, you know, over the last sort of twenty five years or something. Um, and there's been periods where it hasn't had a, a big part of my life. You know, I've been busy doing other things, uh, injuries or whatnot, or just life in general has gotten in, my, in the way and I just haven't found, found time for training. Um, but, yeah, with yourself, Sav, and, you know, opening up Gracie Botany, it kind of uh, gave me a little kickstart of getting back into the gym and, and getting on the mat. You know, not long before that, I I had a little run where, um, you know, I set a goal to get my brown belt, uh, which that was, that was getting me on the mat a, a fair bit again. And, uh, up at up at Alexandra, and you know, I was stoked. I, I got that brown belt, but then not long after that, so, yeah, sort of COVID kicked in and threw, threw my routine out. And then I, I did my shoulder, I had a full shoulder reconstruction. So, again, it's an extended period of time off the mat. And then, um, yeah, seeing you guys open up botany, it was like that was the, the little the little kickstart I needed, right? Trying to dust off the gear and, and get back in there. And, and um, mate, been loving it. And not, not just the, you know, the, the physical workout and the, the enjoyment of that, you know, that. That contact and that you know that competing on the mats with your mates and that I just love grappling and um, you know learn new techniques but it's just the the community and the 
you know, the camaraderie and, and the, the mateship, you know, the, the social the social side of things that I was like, fuck, I've missed this. You know, like I've missed all my jiu-jitsu family and all my mates that I haven't seen in ages. And especially when you, you had that big, uh, the big grading and you now Owen and Jason and all the boys that we all started with were all there. I was like, it's, it's, yeah. it's special, you know, for many reasons, not just the, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, the actual physical act of learning jiu-jitsu and training and how good that is for you, but just, yeah. All, all those, all those mates and uh, friends you make along the way. It, it's been infectious, yeah, mate. So, um, now I'm loving it. And then, yeah, you've asked me to come and play around the nogi, and uh, it took me a while. To, I sort of sat, sort of just as a wingman of yours, and try to pick up a few little um, tips on how to run a class. And now that's something that, like, that confidence in running class is something I've, you know, I've lacked. I'm trying to gain and uh, and just deliver techniques and and, and run a class. Like <laughs> I was laughing with Benny um, on Monday night, so I still. <laughs> I've got no idea how to structure like a one-hour class, you know, like I look up the clock and I've been talking for like 50 minutes and I've left out the whole technique side or whatever and, you know, just... Um, yeah, we all, we all yeah, been there, like, Just how to deliver like, you know, like you guys, yourself and Christian are so good at dropping the details and these little cues on how to, you know, do each step. I know like, you know, there's a technique, it be A, B, C, you know, leads to D and I could... I can start with A and then it gets a bit grey and a bit hazy. I forget where B and C is and then I get to D and like everyone's <laughs> looking at me like, I know how, what it feels like and how to do it, but how do I break it down and deliver it something else? So yeah. I'm learning it, but I'm enjoying it. And yeah, people are, seem to be enjoying the classes. So, um, yeah, I'm so to continue doing it. Oh. Uh, mate, you're doing an absolutely outstanding <laughs> job, mate. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves and it's, it's quite interesting because um, – I mean, how, how much you weigh, Rich? So you're 67, 70 kilos yeah, sort of thing? Point, yeah, 67, 69 about now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to be there with you, mate, back in the days, and we used to compete. I'm pushing up around that eight number now, mate, 80, 79, 80. It's, yeah, it's, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, not, not looking after myself Butterchina. as well as you do, mate. But, a little potato. Yeah, Butterchina, mate. So they, they had the nickname for me at the um, at the academy down the beach. They used to call me Butterchina, which is Portuguese for little potato. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, mate, look, Richie, um, you know, like he's, he's come in and it's interesting because the guys who are sort of new on board, you know, and they get a chance to roll with Richie, <laughs> come in on the Tuesday and they go, oh, geez, that little uh, brown belt stuff, <laughs> you know, that they don't know the history or anything like that. And, um, but yeah, mate, you're doing an absolutely outstanding job. And, you know, it, it was really humbling to me for, you know, I, I'd sort of approach Richie to... You know, obviously, his experience and, and knowledge is just, it's priceless. You, you can't beat it. So I was just really excited to see if I could entertain, possibly getting him in to, um, you know, share his some of the experiences and knowledges in the no-gi. And, you know, like as Richie mentioned, I, I was very humbled by when he said, look, Sav, can I hang out a little bit? And uh, he's certainly not trying to uh, learn any information off me. He knows a ton of stuff. But I guess, like he said, just you know how to structure a class and i mean this is the character of this guy like you know just hum humble as they come and doing anything he can to make himself you know better in a certain area and it's just been such an honor to have him there and mate he comes in on monday now and i tell you what I i've never said this to him but when he pulls up he'll pull up in his carpet truck and take up 15 spaces and park sideways <laughs> one wheel on the gutter one wheel out the front and it just brings back a lot of memories you know this reminds me a lot of the surf clubs days at maroubra i mean you'd have like you know 30 carpet trucks out the front you know full of stinking geese and we'd just get in and rip in but yeah it's it's really nice to have rich back on board and you know to say we're honored to have him down there at bonnie with us he's a mate it's an absolute understatement people want more of him they're asking yeah. can he do more and 
I, you know, I'm just saying, just take what you got, you know, turn <laughs> up to his class and who knows what happens down the track. But yeah, we, we're just forever grateful, mate. Thanks so much. No, I mean, Richie, I had a great time in the class and, you know, that was actually my second no gear class. My first was with Anthony <laughs> and it was the best class. He did a little bit of that King of the Mat thing at the end. Yeah, yeah. It was a, you know, that was a real nice opportunity for, you know, um, Liam to try and separate my head from the rest of my body. Thanks, thanks Liam, if you're listening. And, um, but actually I wanted you, I want to ask you both a question that's actually not on our run sheet. I just thought of it now. I apologize. Um, what, what is the difference? Why do we have no gig classes and what's the, and what is the fundamental difference in your, in your, both of your eyes between gig classes and no gig classes? Mate, you, you got that one, Rich. Go ahead. <laughs> the reason I steered and probably the majority of my um, time has been spent in no gear is because of my mixed martial arts career where um, yep. you know, you, you're, you're competing with, without a gear on. Um, a lot more lot more rev, uh, wrestling influence too. You know, you start standing and you're looking to get that takedown and, and, and start uh, the grappling sort of side of things in a, in a, in a dom- dominant position. Um, so with the no gear compared to gear, obviously with jiu-jitsu, you're using the gear, you can use the lapel and, and use the gear for all kinds of techniques. Whereas the no gear, you, you don't have that. You can't hold any of the clothing. Um, but everything you learn in the in no gear, you can apply to gear, you know, because you're just using the body, you know, collar ties, arms. Um, it's, it's probably a little bit more free-flowing because you, you, got, you, you yep. can't hold down your opponent. And obviously, it's a lot more applicable to MMA. So that's why I spent most of my time. I was still doing bits of gi throughout my MMA career, but the majority of yeah. grappling was always no gi because it, it just made sense that you know um, that when I yeah to get in and compete, I, I, it's, it's exactly what you know, how we're going to be grappling in there. And obviously, if you want to throw in strikes as well, it's a lot easier to do. So yeah, it's just simply the removal of the jiu-jitsu gi, and uh, yep. jiu-jitsu is the same. But obviously, the techniques start to change because you, you don't have that. Uh, Ability to, to hold on to, to, to lapels and collars and tie up wrists and so on. So, um, yeah, techniques, techniques, techniques change a little bit. Um, but like I said, they do complement yeah. each other very well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love because the you, just because of the, the wrestling and, the, and my MMA background and sort of what I'm more familiar with. Because, you know, you came over to me that on Monday night and I was pretty puffed out and you actually said to me, yeah, this is a little bit more cardio than gear. Yeah, just well, so especially the wrestling. Know. That was in the right. We, we were doing some standing wrestling, uh, some drills, and we started yep. to go do a few live rounds. And uh, <laughs> that's very different to obviously jiu-jitsu where often you, you, you start on the mat and, uh, you know, it's a little bit slower pace. Wrestling's a little, yeah, it's a little bit more intense, a little bit more explosive, and you're up and down off that mat all the time. But it, can, it, can, it can definitely blow the lungs out and, uh, yeah, you feel a little <laughs> gas, so... Yeah, it is. It is different. And every people who who done you just for years, when you try a bit of wrestling, it really, um, yeah, sort of knocks them out cardio wise, and 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 they're puffing. So it's good to mix in. Did Did you get, ever get too much into no no gear, Sav? Yeah, I did. Um, it's funny the no gear I wasn't overly into, to be honest. But um, Richie, remember this back down at River Beach when we started training? Um, <clears throat> this is sounds like it was day. all no gear. <laughs> oh no, we 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 were definitely in the gi. Um, yeah. But it's funny because we were in the Maruba Surf Club, like literally right on at North End there on the beach. And um, mate, I can remember coming out of classes there and and like running with Richie and the guys, you know, like straight down into the surf, like in the middle of summer and jumping in the water. Like it was just you'd never seen anything like this. But um, literally, remember this when we started the at the surf club we would do six months of no gi 
and then six months of gi. So the reason we did that is throughout the summer, we trained no gi. Uh, and then back in winter, we'd jump back in the gi. You know, I don't know if it was six and six, but we would uh, seasonally train to cater for the weather, you know, and we, we'd be in the um, – so, you know, look, we did a little bit back then. Um, I did a fair few no-gi competitions. <clears throat> I'd never really prep for them, but always would have great results. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Hmm. Um, I'd always train really hard with the gi and I'd, you know, find it hard to get the results. So <laughs> it's interesting. I think the thing with the no gi, um, just, you know, I used to, you know, I like moving really quick. So with the, with, you know, wearing no gi, it's very hard to <clears throat> sort of get a hold of you. Uh, so, you know, maybe this is why I was, you know, had a lot of success in no gi, but it's just, it's, it is very, very different. Um, I train only predominantly gi now. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. I've done a lot of no gear over the years, but I'm mostly into the gear now. And awesome. Awesome. So I have to, I, I know that Sav knows this, but Richie, and we were talking about this earlier, this is the most amount of questions that we ever got off our, um, Instagram account. When we ask for guests, this is by far the most, and the, the most people who are enthusiastic, Maka was so enthusiastic. I asked the question. He actually asked the same question twice. He had to rephrase it. But um, and he, we we had a whole conversation around that. So Sab, do you want to start uh, with some of the questions? Because I think we should work through. All, these are all really good. I think we should all work through most of them. Jesus, there's a lot here, mate. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Okay, mate, Richie, you're being slammed here, mate. Uh, how many you want to ask him, Benny? All of them. Let's see how we go. <laughs> Okay. Okay, yeah. So uh, Vicky's asked the question, Rich. Um, mate, we've got, we've got a whole bunch of here, Rich. They've, they've come hard at you, buddy. So, mate, Vicky, uh, Vicky wants to know, what was your most memorable MMA fight and why? Yeah, um, yeah one, one sort of springs to mind above all others. It's, it was the, um, the PWP, Schmooze Promotion. Schmooze, love you, mate. Miss ya. Um, <laughs> promotion Proud Warrior production with him and Mick Spinks and a few others got involved. The guys from Boost jumped on board, um, and I fought for them. Had a couple of good fights, and uh, I got put up to fight for the PWP World Bantamweight title. And there was a loudmouth uh, American, I believe, Nick Honstein. Yeah, he's a great guy, but at the time, he was killing it through the Bantamweight division uh, and calling out everyone, me included. Um, you know, and this is all always getting back to me, of course, you know. So everyone was saying, what about this loudmouth, you know, Sepa, talking shit, you know. You're going to flog him. <laughs> I remember this him, well. Like, <laughs> in the surf and someone who I, like, would hardly know, like, hey, I saw that Nick Honstein fight the other night. You know, he called you out, you know, you know, smash him. And I was like, oh, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, like, just, I did that out of hand. Like, you know, I mean, I never, like, growing up here in the local scene, like, as I guess it's Australian culture, we don't really talk trash, we didn't really call each other out, you know, a lot, a lot's changed now, but he was this loudmouth, brash American, he was a great wrestler too, he was smashing guys and submitting them, and, and then he will get on the mic, and yeah, talking a whole heap of shit, so he's, he also started fighting for PWP on their production, on their promotion, and um, was, was killing opponents, um, so we both fought on the same card one night, I, I beat a handy um, undefeated Hawaiian called Justin Wong, He's a, I'll stay in touch with Justin. He's a good guy. Um, and Nick Honstein, but another Hawaiian, very handily. And uh, he obviously called me out. And I had a big crew of friends and fans in the um, in the crowd. So that really got sort of, you know, 
got everyone offside a little bit. We were pretty filthy and wanted, <laughs> wanted me to get in there and, and smash Nick. Because it all came down to this uh, PWP show down at Cronulla Sharks and the, the Bantamweight title was on the line. And like I said, I've never sort of had that kind of, felt that pressure or that animosity or like it was personal, you know, like he's been, yeah, talking shit. So, um, yeah, he was a really good wrestler. I knew that he was going to want to grapple. I, I uh, in the lead up, had, you know, had a few knockouts and a, had a lot of success with my striking as well as getting some submissions. But the game plan was to keep this one standing and, yeah, pick Nick apart, hurt him and, and, and look for that knockout. So, um, I was training a lot of takedown defence, knowing that he was going to try and shoot for that takedown. And, um, yeah, we got in there. Within the first 30 seconds, he, he shoots. Um, I defend. I defend again, but he's persistent. And next thing I know, I'm, I'm staring up the lights with my ankles up in the air. And uh, he lands a big double leg takedown and, and slams me on the mat. And uh, Yeah, but luckily, I was able to scramble back to my feet using the cage. And I put a nice little combo on him and, and hit him with a, a hard right hand and um, rocked him. And he sort of slipped down. And I kind of went for like a really limp kind of single leg um takedown but it kind of allowed me to, to snatch on um which i was going for an armbar um but the way it rolled i kind of ended up in this triangle position armbar upside down i didn't really know where i was but i knew i was in a kind of good position if i could work it out and i think he was a little bit dazed too from from getting rocked and all i remember is jimmy olsen hanging off the side of the cage just screaming reggie lock the triangle lock the triangle <laughs> <laughs> got the coaches and everyone else there but i got jimmy olsen just screaming through with a beer in his hand and he, and he was bang on he was right i was able to lock up this triangle which really secured the armbar as well and um i was able to submit nick in the first round and you know everyone erupted because he was such a uh, a character that yeah he was divisive either loved him or hated him and uh, all my crowd hated him so uh yeah to get the submission in the first round uh and get that belt put around my waist. And I, I'd fought for a belt before against Gustavo Falsarola. He was a, a great guy, another good friend, which is just a reflection of like the, my what my feeling about MMA and, and martial arts. Like these opponents, I, I still now respect and still call good mates. Um, now, but he beat me in that one for the uh, the CFC World Bantamweight title over five hard rounds. So to get the opportunity to fight for another world title and um, and and get it this time was it was a, it was a great relief. And and to beat someone like Nick was uh, was even more sort of fulfilling and uh, rewarding to, to beat him in, so, in front of such a great crowd on Schmoo's show. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was stoked. That one was uh, was a really fun lead up to the fight uh, with everyone chatting about it. And and, uh, and it was fun because Nick, you know, the type of, type of character he is, you know, he always brings the fight. He, he brings, he, whatever he spits out his mouth, he backs it up in the ring as well. So it was, Mate, it was I remember the night vividly. It, it was outstanding, and I do I do remember Jimmy on the cage. As you mentioned, we had a massive team out there, and I, I at one stage thought Jimmy was going in. Yeah. Um, I thought, please don't go in, Jim, because this could you know lose rich the fight. But definitely a high energy night down there, mate. And and that's a that's a great memory. That's absolutely fantastic. And I love uh, it. you know I lived through every moment of that. I was there in the crowd, and you know there was many nights were over there with Canada leagues, and yeah, just that was definitely one of, one of the nights. That, you know, sits really fond in the memory. Yeah. And um, also, Richie, like another question. To have <laughs> food for the belt around your waist is something I'll always, uh, yeah, remember, mate. Absolutely. Mm. I was just going to say, yeah, mate, you know, the, the great Shamu, mm. like, you know, just to have, yeah, just so many memories. We were discussing him last week with our Owen and Sarah and, you know, talking about the Shamu award they do each year. And, yeah, just, yeah, sadly missed the great legend. Really is. Yeah, just uh, look, another question, Rich, from uh, Vicky. Um, Vicky sent a whole book of stuff here, mate, so I'll go again. <laughs> uh, scariest wave you've ever surfed, Rich, is a really good question. Mate, um, 
Yeah, I spent a lot of time chasing waves. Uh, like, yeah, around the world, Tahiti, Hawaii, Fiji, um, and there's some scary waves, but I found the scariest surf trips I've had have been here in Australia, um, and mostly around the, you know, our southern points, south, uh, western Australia, uh, waves called the Wright or Cyclops, and, um, and ship turns in Tassie. Um, but probably, probably Cyclops and the Wright down in uh, the southern tip of uh, western Australia, just, just for a few reasons, like there's got so many elements that um, that make the hairs on the, the back of your neck stand up. Not only the, like the wave and the size of it and the amount of water that's like heaving over those shallow reefs. Um, like you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, these, these, these big, big fish uh, in those parts. So things go pear-shaped. <laughs> you, you sort of, you're, you're out there on your ace and it's not a quick trip to the Hossie by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'll take Cyclops because it is it's super remote. Um, it's a really heavy wave. It's bone dry. It's not even. It's really borderline like rideable. I wouldn't even say it's a wave. It's more of like just a, a spectacle kind of thing. You know, nice to look at. And, <laughs> um, yeah, we you know we have trips there, and you're just really wanting to um to not die basically, and uh <laughs> get or get eaten by a shark. So you now waves like yeah, I was right. say big fish, big sharks. Yeah, there's there's a lot of yeah razor sharp reef. It's yeah pretty pretty sketchy place. So eh? yeah, those waves because of all those different elements, you know, uh, are super scary. Like the right, which is not far from there, it's still like, you know, in the in the bite region of, of Western Australia. Um, so much water folds over that 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 ledge, you know, and it's kind of like it's kind of like a mushroom reef. So it breaks really kind of shallow, but then pushes really deep as well. So at that joint, obviously, it's very sharky, but you get the hold downs that, um, like I've never experienced the way it wants to just tear your limbs apart. You know, I, I fell on one, I had both my booties, you know, I strapped tightly to my feet, both of them blown up and I, and I never saw them again. And, and then I uh, did get to the surface before a second wave hit. So again, you know, you get second wave hold downs there, which are, are, are really common. Yeah. So you just, um, scrambling at the surface and get some air back in your lungs. So, um, that, those two waves are probably the scariest, just um, down there in the, on the southern tip of Western Australia, just for all those elements, you know, the, the, the way yeah, itself, nice. its remoteness and um, those big things in grey suits that swim along under there with you. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty sketchy, mate. I, um, I can remember even being out here at Voodoo and, you know, like the ledge, the drop-off out the back there is massive mm. and... I remember sitting out there one day and, you know, one of the guys out there I didn't know and he said, mate, have a look at that. And a fin come up, you know, just, you know, I don't know, 10 odd metres away from us, you know, sitting right on the ledge there and said, oh, mate, a little whale. And he said, no, it's not, that's not a whale, mate. It's a big shark, you know. And I just sort of started to paddle in. He said, oh, don't worry about it, you know. They're, they're, they're pretty well fed. They just sit off the ledge here. There's a lot of feed. And I don't know if you ever remember, Rich, in between Voodoo, uh, in between Bowie and Suck Rock, there's yep. a big tiger shark. He used to live in the channel there. Yeah, it is a big And uh, I remember, yeah, paddling across one day and or the guys had spoken about it and then we're paddling across one day and this big fin popped up. Mate, I, I, I never moved so fast. It was like <laughs> I had a 30 Yamaha horsepower on my, my legs and just paddling and kicking. These guys are so blasé. They said, Mitch, don't worry, mate. He comes up here, lives in this channel. He's sweet, you know, he's, yeah. he's well-fed. And I've never seen a fin so big. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty interesting stuff. But um, moving on, Rich, um, uh, this question here is um, just from Clint. Uh, Clint, one of the students from Gracie Botany, White Belt there, said in relation to UFC, what was harder to manage, the mental or the physical preparation for a fight? Great question. Yeah. 
hands down the mental side of things, mate. Um, look, I think. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree. I mean, not yeah. that I've been, not that I've been <laughs> UFC, but I, it's always mental for me too, mate. Even in local comps, you know, it's always mental. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, that controls so much of the physical. Obviously, you know, your mental state, how you, yeah, mm. uh, that that will sort of dictate how you're gonna handle the training and the workload. Um, but it was always a, a a big part of the game. But once you know, get into the UFC and on that stage, and you know, you put so much pressure on yourself now to perform at that level when the opportunities are bigger and and all that. Plus, for for my own personal experience, fighting the UFC was at at, at flyweight, which was like the the lowest I fought at was at fifty seven kilos, and that just added a, a, a and like another stress to it, you know. So you're worrying about mm. all kinds of things. You know, your physical prep, you're thinking about your opponent, you're worried if you're going to make the weight because there's all, that was always a struggle. Um, and of course, like walking out like in front of like down in Melbourne, like sixty thousand people, you know, to compete. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Your mind tricks on you, and, and it can be quite a challenge to stay in that kind of positive, you know, reinforcement and just keeping. Yeah, your mind in the game and staying on track with with uh with the task at hand. You know what I mean? So it's a few fights, unfortunately, um, I just couldn't wait to get in there and get it done and, and have it done, get it over and done with. Yeah. You know what I mean, um, uh, not you know, obviously wanting to win, but prior to that, I was going in like this bloodthirsty attitude. I couldn't wait to touch my opponent, feel him, and get hit, and like just want to like you know just lock horns mm. and just couldn't wait for that contest and that uh. That um, yeah, that that sort of things. But and I actually spoke to a doctor about about the, the weight cut and what it does to you mentally and hormonally too. It, it, it throws you around, and yeah, it definitely can almost like get, get de- depressing. Almost now, you, you don't want to even go out there and do it anymore. Um, uh, so yeah, trying to keep your, your mind in the game and and uh, focused on on keeping that you know that that attitude of wanting to get in and wanting to get and competing, you know. Mm. All those, and in, in doing that, you, you're reminding yourself of all those little, those triggers where you tell yourself to do like for the game plan, and uh, you're all, you're fully switched on. When um, you know, when you're not in a good headspace, you kind of don't care so much. You stop doing the little one percenters, and like, yep. yeah, it starts to just doesn't start to help. So definitely the mental side of things. I I um I work with a guy called John Novak, who's a sports psychologist, and um yeah, he was really big on like positive reinforcement and uh he had this thing called the boomerang effect, you know, about positivity, put it out there, it's gonna come back. So it, mm. it did help a lot. But I'd say um the mental side of things, especially at, at, at um at, in my UFC career, also cutting that massive amount of weight and performing there's a few elements that made it like really tough to keep your head in the game and um and uh and look forward to wanting to get in there, wanting to compete and wanting to get hold of your opponent and uh, you know, tear him apart. So um, yeah, yeah, and I think that's really it goes for life too, like in general, like keeping your head in the game and whatever it may be, you know. Um, you know, I know, yeah, it, it's it's uh, uh, adversity at work or relationships or wherever it is, you know. What I mean, it's been able to sort of keep your head in the game and um, and work through tough times is, uh, I think, that's what martial arts is so great for, you know. What I mean, I feel like by absolutely part of martial keep, arts, keep you know, you on your toes, it's like a life it? lesson and. Yeah, you, you'll see it um, come back at you and and help you through situations in in all in all kinds of life circumstances. So yeah, couldn't agree definitely more. Definitely mental, mate. Definitely mental. Can, there's a very um, just while you're speaking, Rich. Um, it's it, there's one particular photo um, that keeps flashing back to me, mate. I remember it was just the weight cut you did, and I remember that photo came out, and mate, I just I couldn't believe there was not a drop of meat on you, like. 
it was just when we seen it, we were like, mate, like that is, you wouldn't have had like, I don't know what your body fat was, 5%, 4 I don't even know if that's possible, but I think you remember the photo very well, but it was yeah. just, mate, I just. It made my mum cry. You, it literally made my mum cry. <laughs> oh, you know, like, honestly, gone. when I seen it too, no, I, I just thought. I was so stoked to make the weight. And yeah. like, <laughs> family were calling know, me like, was, what are you doing? Like my mum yeah. was in tears like, Rich, you look like, like like a prisoner of war, you know, like you're yeah, dead. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Mum, I'm over the moon. I've just made weight. I'm over the moon. I've made it. You know, like, you yeah. hardly speak. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I know Very the one, famous mate. photo. I know the one. Um, but that, you know, that was, I never miss weight. I always made weight. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, some, obviously, I fought at like four different weight classes, from like 71 through to 57. And, and obviously, you find your, your, your optimal weight class to fight at. And looking back, I don't regret anything, but that was, that was too much, obviously. You know, to be in that, physical state 24 hours or sometimes even less before you're supposed to perform at your physical peak mm. um it was, it was just madness but um very taxing. what they did to me mentally was was also like yeah and not just it was like like i said after speaking to doctors physiologically what it does to you hormonally and mentally like it's um it's not a great thing to be putting your body through no. um no. and uh it's a crazy part of the sport something that always needs addressing and needs like attention to it because it, it can be dangerous and it, it can obviously not great for the fighters and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's an experience that I won't forget. That's a short eye. No, yeah, mate, I absolutely. Miss, Richie, can I ask you a fifty-seven? Richie, can I ask you a question? You know, like you've talk, you've spoken about the nerves you have when you go on to, um, you know, to to do these big fights, and I'm not suggesting you have nerves or you're anxious about it. But do you have any like when you're when you're getting ready to roll on the mat at Gracie Botney? Do you know when you're sizing up your opponent? Do you do you get any? What what's the feeling there? Are you just completely chilled out, or you? <laughs> Absolutely, I, I get those little nerves and butterflies just from yeah, training the mat, going before I teach my nogi. Like oh yeah, <laughs> Mate, you got a good you got a good poker face, face, brother. Like, you know, Let just me all tell that you. kind of stuff. You know, they, everyone has those little self doubts and whatnot. And, but yeah, definitely just rolling, especially with someone you you know it gives you a hard time. Yeah. You know? like oh, okay, you know you got to switch on here. Um, and then when I'm just competing just in jiu-jitsu, you know, when I was fighting MMA uh, in between fights, I like to stay active and, and jump on the mat to compete in jiu-jitsu. And I, I would still have that same experience yeah. of like, you know, you want to, you want to achieve the results you've, you set yourself and you, and I guess basically you, you just want to do, perform the best you can, you know, yeah. and I got comfortable with like not focusing too much on the result, but if I could just go in there and do the best I can and know that I was like, that was as good as I could do given and not, um. You know, you sort of just only compete against yourself and I would be happy. So that was just like yeah. wanting not to make those mistakes, um, you know, while the, while the lights are on and the, you know, the, 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 the time to compete, you know, like you can, training's all about making mistakes and learning from them and then competing and fighting on the night is about getting it right. And that was just like, there's a pressure I put myself with, now it's time to get it all right, you know. So I've got one final question for you, Richie. I've decided to pick, um, I think we've mostly covered it, but... I've, I've decided to pick Maccas. Now, you know you know Macca, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Richie, that has been unbelievable. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for having me on the mats with you in Nogi. I'm definitely coming back. I've just got to find the time. There were a few other questions that we um, that we that were asked, and I might, if I have time, actually get get you to uh, video a few of them off the mat off while we're on the mats together, and yeah. I'll put them up on Instagram over the course of the week. But, no worries. So, Sav, do you want yes. to tell our listeners uh, we've just we've just finished listening to Richie? That was what a great what a great you know guest to have on the show. But actually, we it wasn't just two seconds ago. How long has it been now? 
Oh, are we, are, you know, look, we, we, we're pretty used to groundbreaking, you know, putting, putting things on here that are just completely on the spot. So no, it wasn't just two minutes ago. Uh, since I last spoke to you would have been, oh, I'd say pushing towards, I'm just looking at the clock. We did a really early uh, interview with Richie. The, the great right. man, Mr. Richie Vass is very hard to get. So we had to do that at 6am. Yep. Um, and it is now two o'clock Sunday. So <laughs> I haven't spoken to you for nearly 36 hours. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, it's, the reason being is, um, you know, the, well, I guess it was the first part of the podcast with Richie. Um, I had to, I had to take off. I had both Kalani and Xavier fighting yep. in the, um, I had to get them out to Homebush to the AJP tour, um, yep. which is an organization from um, Abu Dhabi. I mean, yep. and I went over there and Kalani and Xavier fought in the kids' divisions. Yeah. Uh, mate, this setup of this tournament was absolutely breathtaking. I mean, you know, they all, they're all they all really well run, but this was, you know, this is the, the the cream of the crop. You should have seen this thing. You know, they have the, the you know, an elevated grandstand, the mat areas. They had all the professional cameras going over and above the mats as the fighters fought. Yeah. Um, there was a big judging panel. Yeah, uh, where they could watch things back on a TV for you know close decisions or things like that, and uh, the fighters were actually around the back and in the warm up area where there was three matted areas, and they were let out. Uh, you know, curtains were peeled to the side, and the fighters were walked to the side of the mats. Fantastic. And, I mean, the professionalism of this this tournament was unbelievable. So. In the fighting area itself, they had the three mats. Yep. And then the only people that were there were the six competitors. Fantastic. That was it. I mean, there was no no one around. And, you know, like you could call from the grandstand. But yeah. just to watch that was it, uh, ultimate, ultimate professional. Kalani went in and she ended up on the silver medal on the day. Uh, Fantastic. Really did really well. And when I went to actually down the back to take her through to get her medals, they actually had the meddling area. Yeah. inside where those mats were. And, I mean, this is a beautiful place to stand up and get photos for the medals. And I sort of went to walk through and the lady said, oh, you know, you can't go out there. And I said, well, what do you mean? I can't have photos of my kids. <laughs> but what they do, they keep it really professional. They send the kids out. I mean, yeah. obviously, the AGP, they take the photos. I mean, I guess then they can sell them and stuff like that. It's very well yeah. done. But it just keeps everything really tidy and, yeah, fantastic. So we've been out there. That was yeah. – um, that was yesterday, and then again today, we're out there again this morning to watch uh, our own Chrissy fight in the Purple Belt Division. Uh, awesome. Absolutely outstanding performance. She was She's very unlucky. She's such a tough fighter, oh, isn't she? Mate. Like, tell people how, yeah. t- how tough she is. She is, uh, yeah, tough's an understatement. This is one of the toughest girls you'll ever meet. I mean, and she's... She's only a tiny little thing. She's 57 kilos, 56 kilos, something like that. Very, very tiny. Um, but very, she's very a, smiley. Yeah, always happy, always bubbly. You know, yeah. she just does yeah. so much at Gracie Botney for the girls' program. She's, you know, the driving force with uh, Vicky and Jade. I mean, these women do an amazing job. But she went out there, went out to support her. She lost a very close match via points, uh, which was unfortunate. She put a lot of work into it. Obviously, she was a little bit deflated, and that's normal. Um, you know, deflation yeah. comes from all the hard work. Uh, she leaves no stone unturned. But we were very fortunate in the same division to have Serena. And Serena went on to yeah. close the division out and just – Mate, she just she had some ultra tough fights, um, yeah. And but she ended up, you know, she ended up getting the the gold medal in the end. I, I just, I I think when you were talking, Annalise, getting this podcast warmed up, you might have heard me in the background. I was actually just on the phone with her then. She's um 
she's elated. You know, she just did really well. She's a, you know, she's amazing, and Chrissy's amazing. And just for Chrissy to get out there and just walk out onto the mat for me, I've not done that yet. I'm looking forward to doing it. You will I imagine that's a, it's that's coming. a challenge unto itself. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> So, yeah, we um, we don't know yet, but you're you're going into the summer cup. You've already been signed up, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> if that's true, so, then Greggy's coming with me. I'm taking Greggy oh, down yeah, with me. We're all going. So, we're all on the, yeah, we, we, we're hiring a bus to take you all out. That white belt fundamental so, program. A lot of you. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I can't wait. And so let's move on to next week because next week yes. we're going. We're, it, it's just going to be me and you again. We're going to take a break from the yep. guests. We're yep, going to yep. look at. I th- your blue belt or perk, purple belt. I've been talking to Owen behind your back a little bit, trying to get some stories going, trying to trying to just trying to suss out some stories. And we're going to oh, have yeah. the sway. <laughs> we're going to have the sway come in to do a uh, another review on an a light summer gi. We've been we've been asked by a few people to do a review on a light summer gi, and um, we've also got Nick Nico who we said is going to come on the is going to come on the podcast as well just to say hello during that review. So we've got, okay, we've got some good stuff coming up. Yeah, yeah the uh, the, uh, the man's doing a fantastic job with his reviews. They're always, you know, really interesting and you know just he really knuckles down to it. So I I'm really looking forward to having him back on and and hearing that and and uh, him and Nick aren't going to be in the same room, are they? Uh I I I haven't <laughs> figured it out yet. They live quite a bit apart, but I haven't figured it out yet, but I do have one last question for you before we leave this podcast. What are you doing yes. this afternoon, Sam? I am actually um, heading over to, to a self-defense course at Gracie Botany for the women of the holding hands. Um, right. You might want to explain a little bit about what that's about, Benny, and you know the <laughs> questions do keep coming in about you and who you are and wanting to know a little bit more about you. You are an absolute houdini yeah. about getting around this. <laughs> But um, why don't you tell us a little bit about holding hands, Benny, and, and you know what it is that you know you do, and and what these women are coming in for. Yeah, so I work with and support a, um, a organisation that provides supervised contact visits, usually court orders through the family court for parents who need supervision. And this afternoon, uh, the the contact workers from Holding Hands are going to come down to Gracie Botney to have a self defence course because. What I've learned over the last year of doing this is is that not only is self-defense an amazing skill, it gives you great confidence. It allows you to walk into, um, you know, unknown situations with just a little bit more confidence than what you might otherwise have. And we decide at holding hands, the management decided, and with a little, maybe a little bit of coercing from me, that uh, we were going to do this four times a year and have this fantastic training session with you and Kainoa where you're going to give them a little, a few skills. And we're hoping that, you know, this is a family law first. So we're hoping that it continues. And I myself am looking forward to it. I've got just a little bit over an hour to get ready after this. But I, I tell you, I'm thrilled. I can't wait. You know, like this is super exciting. It's going to be a fantastic afternoon. I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to work with these ladies who work tirelessly, you know, in, in some, you know, I can imagine pretty difficult situations for some of those families that do it, you know, quite hard. And, you know, I'm really passionate about, you know, spending some time with these ladies this afternoon and, and I just can't wait to meet them all and, you know, just hear some of their stories and, um, you know, just it, it, the importance of showing them something that's, you know, quite, quite irrelevant and I'm particularly in the field they're working in. 
Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I can't wait. Uh, I know that you've also organized, um, you know, I hope you don't mind, but you know, Benny's also organized uh, half an hour of, um, like a yoga class, like, you know, meditation yoga type thing for these ladies as well, leading into the hour of self-defense. So absolutely outstanding, mate. I mean, that's the type of bloke <laughs> Benny is, and I'm sure these ladies are going to have a really, really good afternoon. And look, I will throw you under the bus. I probably, I, I don't know if you know, but I know what's coming in part three. Um, yeah. I only got told out of the tournament today, but uh, I, I believe that there's, um, after that nice clean yoga meditation and a bit of mm. self-defense, I hear there's a whole bunch of pizzas arriving to the park. <laughs> is there, there any is truth actually. in that, Benny? <laughs> there is actually. We've actually, we've actually just been off the phone with um, Angry Tony's and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, yeah. Sunday, Sunday too. Heighten the anger. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got Angry Tony's Pizza from Mascot. We're going to deliver it outside the park. Of course, you and Anna, um, you know, Vicky, more than welcome to Kainoa, more than welcome to join us for a slice. There's going to be plenty to go around. We're just going to chill out on the grass. It's a beautiful afternoon, and um, you know, this is an this you know, this is just an opportunity to learn something and be a bit social at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, look, you know, another absolutely amazing uh, podcast to have Richie, you know, come on and share, you know, lots of his stories. I mean, just listening to him speak when he was, you know, questions were put to him. I mean, you know, it's just, I felt like he could, you know, talk for days. You know, I really felt like he was sort of getting to the important points, but I mean, this is a guy that's just, uh, you know, if there's anyone you'd want to sit in a sit sit in a bar with and, and have a cold beer and listen to some good stories, I'd say this would be your guy. But I want to thank Richie for his time. Uh, I know even trying to get him on was really tricky, uh, yeah. not because he didn't want to be here, but just trying to find the time. Like, and that's why that's why we we're telling you guys. You know, we're not joking. You, I was up at four thirty that morning getting ready and to, to to get to catch this guy to do the podcast and. As mentioned, you know, I had to cut short to take my kids to a tournament. Here we are, 36 yeah. hours later, you know, like finishing it off. But I want to thank Richie so much for his time. Uh, you know, the stories were absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have, you know, really enjoyed the listen. And, yeah, thanks so much, Richie. I really appreciate it. And we really look forward to, you know, having you back at a later stage. I want to also thank him for the tremendous work he's doing at Gracie Botany in the No Gee Program. Yeah. Um, right to have him on board is absolutely just it's such a, a, a you know a great thing for everyone involved so thanks rich really appreciate it mate and um again benny thank you so much for this great platform uh, awesome. yeah but for now guys uh let's wrap it up one two three <laughs>